This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. Today, I am joined by one of our awesome Autism Helper bloggers, Heather Hoft. You may recognize Heather's voice from Instagram because she does some Insta story takeovers and blog posts where she shares different strategies and resources that she uses in her preschool classroom. So I was planning an episode about play. And whenever I think of how to play and how important play is, I always think of the great preschool teachers in my lives. I have some awesome family members and friends and coworkers that I've worked with that are preschool teachers that are so great at this. And when you watch someone or listen to someone talk about play who's really good at it, you realize how important this is and how many benefits this can bring your students. So when I was planning this episode, I was like, oh, We've got to talk to Heather about play because this is something Heather as a preschool teacher is so passionate about and I think probably does very naturally. But what I love about her is she's also really good at teaching her team about it. She's worked in classrooms with really strong collaborative teams and gotten everyone on board to really, you know, go through together this endeavor towards building up the play skills of their students and increasing all of these other skills along the way. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation because I want Heather to share with you how important play is and all of the different ways you can incorporate play into your classroom. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. 
I am excited to chat with you about one of, I think, both you and I's favorite topics, which is play. Play is my all-time favorite thing to talk about, and it's so fun. And I know that everyone likes hearing about it because every time you do a blog post or an Instagram takeover with with anything like remotely related to play, everyone's like, oh my God, I need more. Tell me more about this. (laughs) Yes. And I'm always like nervous to bring up the topic, but it always gets so much attention because I'm like, oh, people know how to do this. We play all day and every day. But really, I'm I'm learning a lot from everybody listening. And I feel like everybody's learning a lot from what I've posted too. Yeah. And there's always ways you can like get better. Like even when you're in the field a long time, you kind of like, sometimes it's good just to have like a refresher and like, okay, let's think again how I'm doing this. I'm not just going through the motions. Yeah. Or getting stuck in the everyday play schemes and changing it up a bit. It's good. Yeah, it's good. So like, I mean, obviously everyone knows this, but like big picture, like sales pitch, why is play important? And I think Also, this is good to review because this may be conversations that teachers have to have with their administrators, like defending why their schedule is set up the way it is. Yeah, for sure. Especially anything older than the early childhood preschool age. I think play is still important to embed throughout the days. Um, Obviously, age appropriate. But if you can, try to get play within your day. Um, Play develops and grows as the child grows. So as the child gets older... Things are more age appropriate for them and it's fun and engaging and it's motivating. Um, Play allows for bonding times for families, teachers, and peers, and it can be initiated by the child or adult directed. And my favorite part is using typical toys, manufactured toys that you can purchase or just anything that's around the house or in the classroom that you can make as a toy is always fun. So play can happen all day, every day. Yes. And when we think about like, I think we could get to like why play is important from so many directions. Like if we were thinking about like challenging behaviors and like adding in additional reinforcers and pairing, like that'll bring us to play. If we think about like language development and encouraging that, like that'll bring us to play. If, you know, there's so many different ways you can even get to like, and the answer will be like incorporate more play and student directed play into your day. Absolutely. There are so many, all the domains you can work on with a child during play. You can work on everything with play. Yeah, I love this. So, okay, big, and then kind of a refresher too, because I feel like when you and I were talking about this before, I, I hadn't really, I learned about this probably in my undergrad, but haven't really like thought about it critically in a while. What are the different types of play, like big picture? Yeah, so there's unoccupied play, which If you think about this, it's typically at the baby age when they're making movements with their arms or their legs, um, learning about their body and the world around them. So they're entertaining themselves with their body and watching as as everything unfolds around them. Um, The solitary play, and this is when a child plays alone and are interested in playing with they're not interested in playing with others quite yet, um, but this doesn't have to be playing appropriately with a toy, so they're not yet knowing to set up the bowling pins and roll the bowling ball down to knock over the pins, but they might be playing with some strings or balloons. Um, they're just not interested in playing with others yet. The uh, onlooker on play is when a child watches and observes other children playing, but they might not yet play with them. 
And this step is so important. Um, just if you think how you model within your classroom or in your clinic or with your clients, we want the students to model the behavior that we're demonstrating. So this part is so important just for growth and development. We want the we want our children to watch other children play to learn from them. Yes. I was as you were saying that, I was picturing my daughter who like creepishly stares at people at the playground. Like she ever she has ever since she was like little and she does it now still. Like and and it oh, but it's great. It it's great. You know, and she's like and it's funny actually this is really unrelated to play, but she now she's almost six and she wants to wear like knee high socks with flip flops or like sandals. And I always think that's weird. I'm like, why do you want to do that? And then I watch her watch like 13 year olds and that's what 13 year olds wear. So I'm like, all right, she's, she's modeling the big kids. <laughs> right. So we want them to model the appropriate play. Um, but yeah, that's great that she's watching them and learning from them. Um, because play isn't just something that comes naturally to all students. So it has to be learned. Um, and it ha sometimes it has to be taught in slow, concrete steps. So when the children start watching the other children play, they're t always learning. Yeah. Um, which then is next is the parallel play. So that's when the child plays alongside near their peers or other children, but is not yet interacting with them. Um, so they could be modeling the same exact play scheme that the peer next to them is playing, or they could be playing totally different, but they're next to each other, sometimes glancing over at the other person's play, glancing over, making eye contact and things like that. So it's like the start of the interaction. Cool. Um, then after that is the associate associate play, and that's when they start to interact. Um, there's not yet too much cooperation that's required, but it's like when they're following each other on the playground, going up and down the slide. Um, not yet that give and take reciprocal turn taking play yet, um, but there is some sort of game and like agreed upon skill, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly is the cooperative play. So that's when they're playing with others. They both have the same interests. They both have the ideas on what they want to play. And then this is where you will see the students. Um, there will be a student who is the watcher, the student who takes direction. And then, of course, there's the student that is the direction giver of if you're playing house, you be the mommy. I'm going to be the daddy. We're going to work. You're the dog. <laughs> and then they're playing out some sort of play scheme or building a tower together and things like that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah. Okay. That's a great like little review to think about, you know, where your students or clients or children are like uh, within those stages and then how you can start to scaffold to that next stage. Absolutely. So let's jump into all the skill building because we were like, we can work on all the things with play. So let's kind of go in a few big categories and I'd love you to share some examples. I mean, obviously we can't do an exhaustive list because no one can, but just different examples of skills you can build and ways you can build those skills. And let's start with language development because there's a ton to unpack there. Yeah. So language, I feel like is the biggest one in play. You can get so much um, just by observation to see like where your learner is right now, getting language samples and just observing them um, using their vocabulary or augmentative communication systems anywhere um, that they are. Um, There is constant exposure to language during play and it expands on their vocabulary as they talk about what they're engaging in. They practice using language and grammar and sentence construction. Um, If the learner is not yet vocalizing, I like to model the narration of my play. Um, so modeling where they would be if we're driving a car, I'm driving the car up the mountain, down the mountain, whee! and using their pecs or their device, any communication system that they're on, using that as I'm modeling and narrating the play. Um, if there is a child who is able to answer questions, um, we can ask questions to start conversations about play or to expand on their play using questions. Um, we use core boards with play and I love expanding on the language that the child is using during play. Um, so I made lots of videos with my son about this one. He's playing with some garbage trucks and airplanes and he's, this is an airplane and he starts flying it around in the sky and I just expand on it by this is an airplane. It flies in the sky. It dives down. So, you know, you don't want to listen to me. (laughs) modeling play all day but just expanding on um expanding on the language using language that you think they would want to if you know what their goal is in that play scheme Um, I love that example even with the helicopter because you 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 fill in like these verbs and adjectives that kids just may not always have that much exposure to like the word dive down like right you're giving so much exposure to language embedded in something that you know they're interested in. Right. And I love it in play because we don't have to expect them to always imitate what we're saying. Um, It is the exposure to all the language and using all of the visuals that's appropriate for each of your learners. It's wonderful. And just like when you draw a picture, a simple comment just saying, tell me about your picture can invite the child to share their process and what it is. Um, You might see a dragon and the child who drew it was thinking something totally different. Um, So if you're playing and they build a tower and ask them what it is and just see what they come up with. And it's always interesting to hear. I like all your examples are really illustrating what an active role the adult is playing. And I think that can sometimes be a misconception of like, you know, quote unquote, playtime that it's like, 
And there are times that are for sure breaks where it's like just, you know, the ch- child can be by themselves and chill mm-hmm. out, whatever. But like really working on play and, and really working on language development within play isn't going to be like, okay, Johnny, go play with those blocks. See you later. It, you know, the adult is really taking a super active role in that. Absolutely. And I like the, the the suggestions too on incorporating, and you've done a lot of awesome blog posts and videos on this too, of incorporating a PEX book, a core board, an AC device, like bringing that to the carpet, bringing that to the play area. That's not something that just like sits on the desk and never leaves, but really involving that in this process. Yeah. And I think too, like just using the core boards and those visuals, um, some teachers or clinicians might be apprehensive to only be using those communication systems when the speech therapist is there, or when it's time to eat snack, like those really, um, you know, like, like structured times, like we yeah, can do it go. in things that are more open. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like, I think, and I think honestly, I was like that for a little bit when I was like new to using ACE or like having AC devices in my classroom when I was a yeah. teacher that it was like, yes, exactly. We said it was when the SLP was there. And then I was like, okay, we'll do it at lunch and we'll do it at morning circle. And it was like, those are the times. But and then I started really realizing, well, the kid doesn't have nothing to say when we're over here, like in break area or at the computers, like they still have things they want to say and there's right. still social goals we want to work on. Exactly. And if we're not expecting them to use their PEC system yet, we can use the core board, even though they might not, a student might not be there yet, but we're modeling the language just so they can see and yeah. play is wonderful. And this kind of ties right into language development, but taking that a step further beyond just language development, how do we tie that in with peers and with other adults on building social skills? Yeah, I love using peers for the communicative partner and me as the adult, as the silent partner to initiate um, pecs, requesting toys. Um, During play, we can practice taking turns. We can create rules for a new game. Um, Talk me through what that looks like maybe with a student using a PEX book, how you're the role of the the silent partner and you're facilitating the communication between two peers. Yeah. So um, if we had a gen ed peer coming into our room, which we would call peer buddies. So I would talk to the gen ed peer beforehand, just saying, hey, you know, Johnny's going to, I'm going to help him give you this task strip or this strip and it's going to have his words on it. When you, when he gives it to you, take it and then I'll show you what we want him to do with it. Um, so just kind of prep that peer. So, and then they love being a helper. So I have our uh, peer buddy and our student, they're playing with a game. Our student wants something that the peer has. So we take the picture, put it on the sentence strip. I will hand over hand, silent, hand it to the peer buddy. They will take it just as I've taught them. And then I will hand over hand pointing to the icons for our student to request. And then the peer will hand over the toy or the item that the student requested for. So it's a great way to practice. And then the peer buddies love helping and they're being exposed to students using augmentative communication as well. Yeah. What other social skills, um, do you like what other examples of social skills are do you work on with with learners that are have verbal communication skills oh yeah there's so much um just working on expanding on the imaginary play um different roles in play we use visuals visual play schemes so this helps also follow teaching students how to follow rules follow a routine following a mini task um during play it works on taking turns, obviously. 
understanding things from another's point of view. Um, and then also we like as the adult, we can model if we have available the, a peer buddy to help show sympathy and empathy and then also help teach socially acceptable behaviors um, where just because there's a tower there and it looks very inviting to knock down that we're not gonna knock it down quite yet unless somebody invites us to do that. Um, and then using visuals um, to prompt my turn or I want that or look at me or no thank you. Um, so just using lots of those language visuals also to work on play, which is naturally socially engaging. Yeah. I mean, and then once you get like, if we're thinking, you know, we're talking kind of early childhood perspective here, but man, once you get to older students, I mean, there's so much you can work on, even within like board games on like yes. the skill of, of losing or, or if someone cheats or how to ha help someone who didn't win that feels upset. And like you, like you said, those compassion, empathy skills, like you can get into real, really complex skills then. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot. A lot to unpack. And yeah, kind of tying into the idea of like empathy and compassion, there's a lot to work on under the umbrella of emotional learning too. Yeah. So like you said, how do we react if we do lose? What should we do if we see somebody cheating? Um, who, when can I walk away? What if I don't want to play that? Um, so taking control of our own emotions. And I love teaching knowing when our bodies need a break. Mm -hmm. um, so we use lots of visuals. Um, this is too loud for me. I don't like the look of that. I just need to walk away and then I can come back. Um, and then also free play just gives children an outlet to express their emotions and their feelings. So watching carefully for what the students are playing and they're using their imagination and they're usually playing what they're seeing. Um, and then also we work on play and leisure during the playtime, which is a life skill. Mm -hmm. So just expanding on the leisure skills, we don't always want it to just be an iPad, which we know lots of students can sit and watch an iPad independently. Um, but if there isn't an iPad, how do we play with this toy? How do we play with that toy? What should I do if I'm bored or if we have some downtime? And then also playing, going back to the self-regulation, um, the sand, water play, Play-Doh, all of that can be really relieving of anxiety and give students positive experiences so that they can feel successful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I mean, I, some of those sensory play things are very soothing for me. I mean, some of them, me out, but some of them are very soothing, right? Like, yeah. Like the oob, like the gooey stuff I don't really like, but I no. love the kinetic sand. Yes. So just using some of that, like play doesn't always have to be dramatic play, playing kitchen, playing house, building towers. It could be playing with Play-Doh, yeah. stacking blocks, nesting cups. It, there could, the table toys and manipulatives, all of that can be play. And it's, you know, it is like such an interesting point to think about like that, like self-soothing, like capacity for that, that a lot of our students' days are spent like 
doing hard things like yeah. in in a, in this mode of like a demand is placed on them. They're having to do something that is challenging. And after a while, that gets hard. And to be able to just like zone out, to do something that's like relaxing, engaging, like, you know, sensory tables and kind of play in that is such an awesome way to like break up the day also. Yeah. Transitions, demands, everything. It gets to be a lot. So just embedding that within the classroom is helpful, especially if play could be stressful for some of our, some of our students. Yeah. Yeah, we don't that's know true. how to do any of that yet. So we meet our students where we're at and then always we want them to grow. Yeah. Well, kind of switching gears and last kind of skill building topic to talk about is fine and gross motor skills. And especially with our little guys, there's a ton of room to work on both fine and gross motor skills. What are some of your favorite ones to work on? Yeah, there's a ton. So obviously for like gross motor, running, jumping, swinging, uh, riding bikes, hanging, uh, monkey bars, skipping, swimming, if appropriate, um, all of that. Like if you think of a classic playground, all of those gross motor skills are being worked on there. Um, climbing, jumping, if you have a rock wall, all of that. Um, and that is engaging for students to play chase, hide and seek, follow the leader. And I like encompassing all the birthday party games because it's so important and a life skill for students to learn those classic birthday party games because we don't want them to be the ones who aren't playing it. Um, so we like to practice like Duck, Duck, Goose and Ring Around the Rosie and musical chairs and all those games that they might see at a birthday party just so they're exposed to it um, and they might be able to generalize that to the birthday parties. I love you and I didn't even talk about this before. I love that you brought this up because when I did in-home therapy with early childhood, I used to always incorporate this into programming because a lot of times there were kids that had a lot of ABA minutes or were like in a half day preschool, maybe in a self-contained preschool where they didn't always get that exposure. And I was like, we have to learn how to play these games. Like we yes. need to duck, duck, goose, and we need to play like, you know, the different games that we're going to see eventually at a birthday party. And there's so many great ways, you know, skills you can work on in that. But then also you're going to be ready for that birthday party. Yes. Love it's that. so important. Yes. Love, I, that's one of my favorite gross motor skills, birthday party games go. Yes. <laughs> um, and then also like the fine motor working with the Play-Doh and the sand and the water, you're using your fingers and your hands. Um, but also stacking blocks and nesting cups and some of those tabletop toys or threading and beads, um, using pegboards. And then also we used to, in my, one of my old classrooms, draw what we wanted to build in the big play center. So we had blocks or we had dollhouses. So we would draw out the play scheme that we wanted to play and then we would cut it out and then we would hang it up and then we would go act on that. And then we would come back and see if we followed through on what we drew. So that was always fun too. Oh, that's fun. Okay. So yeah, tell me about your classroom right now and what play looks like in your class. You are preschool. Do you have a set play time? Do you have that plus other types of play worked in? How do you incorporate in, it into your school day right now? So we have um, two play areas, but play is embedded into all of our centers. So we are doing a center-based learning in our preschool classroom, uh, preschool and kindergartners. And two centers are dedicated just for play, but we play all the time. So if we're even if we're in the desk session center, there's still time to get up and play. Or if 
um, a reinforcer is a game of hide and seek and our student works for that, then we're going to go play hide and seek when they've earned that reinforcer. Awesome. And what do you think for like older classrooms? How do you, what are some of your suggestions for incorporating play in like the elementary level? Yeah, I would say anything that's age appropriate. So like you said before, those board games, um, what do they see when they go out in the community? Do they have neighbors come to their house? What are the families doing? So we used to have family game night when I was growing up. So I would contact the families and see what does your student do when they get home? What do they do when they wake up? Do you have friends come over? What And ask the families what skills they want to work on. But I also think like going outside for the older grades, playing neighborhood games like Foursquare, um, inviting, working on inviting neighbors to play, um, anything that's age appropriate and like scavenger hunts or just going for a walk and seeing all the things that are around the school building or their neighborhood. Yes. Well, yeah. Oh, Foursquare is such a good one. I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> such a fun one. I know. Oh, and like kind of last thing to tie this together. So a lot of classrooms obviously have paraprofessionals in there that are going to be working on play as well. And I know you're really good at leading your team um, in your classroom. What are some ways that you get your paraprofessionals on board and you teach your paraprofessionals how to play kind of with this same like passion and enthusiasm that you are? Yeah, so I think that they get nervous. So when I when we're talking about play that they think, you know, ABA is a very structured type learning and our classroom, our structured learning environment is a very structured environment. So I think if we talk about play, then they get nervous that they're not following the rules or the principles, but you are. Um, having them observe me playing hide and seek or peekaboo or chase or dancing, um, having them observe me just playing with the cars, then they realize that it's not so hard and it's okay that it's not so strict because we are still using the principles of ABA. We are still working on the students' IEP goals. We're just making it more inviting and more fun and interactive. And we are working on the free play and leisure time. So I think the buy-in for um, our teams is really to watch, have them watch us. Well, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. And then it takes the pressure off of like, oh, okay, yeah. I can do that too. Yeah. Or what if I don't say the right thing? Or how do I give the direction to do this? Then they see that it really is more relaxed. And if you've ever played with a child, that's exactly what we want here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. This is... I feel like you and I could chat about this forever. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of these ideas. And if you've listened to this and you want more, Heather does a blog post and an Instagram takeover twice a month. And I know she will want to share even more things about play. So if you have a specific question or topic, please reach out. And I'm sure Heather would be very happy to chat more on that. Oh, I have lists and lists, lists and lists of play. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com.
Thanks again for listening. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.